0: So, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us on, as we've been discussing, what is a probably a thoroughly miserable morning out there uh, for everybody. Um, So, this is our final masterclass of uh, 2023, um, and we are going to be sharing our highs and lows for the year basically, discussing standout moments in digital marketing and comms. What were the biggest industry trends that shaped the year? The most significant headlines that made the biggest waves? Um, It's been, as always, a year of significant change. Um, With notable notable developments and a a ton of stuff, um, probably some of which won't even make the grade this morning. Uh, But if we get time, we are going to be looking at um, things like the influence of machine learning and AI. Google's 25th birthday in 2023, the adoption of ChatGPT, Twitter rebranding to X and the sunset of our old friend Universal Analytics from Google. Um, We might even touch on the coupling that nobody saw coming um, and that being Barbie and Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to take a look at the hype, the breakthrough campaigns, the noteworthy news, and the game-changing tech um, that defined the last 12 months. So whether you've joined us as a marketer or you're just curious about the marketing world, um, we hope this will be a a really useful sort of 45 minutes to an hour for you and you've got the best seat in the house. Um, We've got a stellar panel for you today. Um, I should say, first off, that I'm Christian Sarasola. I'm the group's digital PR director, and I'm going to... Um, try and steer this semi-festive bunch for you today. Um, also joining us, Becca, good morning.
1: Good morning, how are you doing? I'm Becca, um, Strategic Planning Director at MediaWorks and um, full-on Christmas vibe.
0: Get in. Also feeling very, very Christmassy, we've got Andrew, good morning.
2: Hello, I'm Andrew, I'm uh, our Christmas pudding. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: pudding
2: director. I'm Creative Director uh, in Leeds. Uh, um
0: and just to confuse matters we've got two davids this morning david norris let's start with you
3: yeah so um i'm david norris i'm the, the group operations director and would probably make a list uh, i'd be, probably be number one in most people's list across media works if there was a vote on a christmas bridge so that's probably why it suits me not to wear anything so yeah I'll the christmas
0: <laughs> bridge up the wonderful and then completing this and by no means least we've got david shearer good morning david
4: Morning, everyone. Uh, I'm David Shurer. Uh, I'm the managing partner in the Scotland office based in Edinburgh. Um, and I would suggest that being Scottish, I could trump anybody in being misanthropic around Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. What
0: um, a humbug. <laughs> superb. As ever, guys, if you are um, familiar to, to kind of how we run these um, on, on these sessions, there is a Q&A. Um, if you are listening in live on, on your screen, if you've got any questions or observations, um, do please drop them in there and we'll, we'll try our best to get to those those questions or observations as we, as we work our way through the session. Um, we are going to kick things off um, talking around tracking users in 2023. David Norris, over to you.
3: Yes, yeah, so I think in classic Grinch um, fashion, to be honest, I'll come in and talk about something not that fun in 2023, <laughs> which has been... Which has been around sort of the whole tracking piece, the whole marketing tech um, sort of infrastructure environment, if you like, throughout 2023. I think we've seen loads and loads of changes uh, throughout the year. Um, probably, you know, driven by a number of factors. So we've seen things like the Copilus Future. We've had sort of Google's on-off Copilus Future moment um, taking place, where late 2022 they talked about Copilus Future coming into play for 2023. Um, And that's now being pushed back into 2024, but inevitably it's meant that us as marketers and advertisers have had to really consider sort of what are we doing around the data that we do have and the data that we have access to in a world where third-party data, things like that have powered things like programmatic and display advertising for a number of years and have obviously helped the growth of things like Meta, Meta, and LinkedIn, et cetera, over that period as well. What we're we going to do when, when third-party cookies are removed, I think it's been a big driver in that space. Um, then there's been things like Google's antitrust uh, cases that have been going on first in the in the US, um, now in the, the EU, around are we seeing the correct data, the, the the accurate data from the platforms? Has there been an overinflation of some of the figures that we're seeing in some of the platforms, etc.? That's ongoing um, throughout 2023. Um, And then finally, I think for for a lot of people, probably the biggest, one of the biggest changes and something we talked a lot about throughout the year was sort of the sunsetting of universal analytics and the move to to GA4. I think it's fair to say that sort of Google Analytics, universal analytics, as it was more commonly known, um, was the analytics platform of choice uh, with reported 55% of websites worldwide using universal uh, analytics. yeah, Universal Analytics. Um, so I think that the sunsetting of that product definitely made people think about data throughout 2023 in a slightly different way. That couple with us in the company's future, I think therefore sort of one of the big things for me is the, the value of first-party data has never ever been uh, higher than it is today. I think what we're seeing is is organisations spending a lot of time, energy, and effort in in how we're collecting that first-party data, how we're using that first-party data, but also about sort of different methods for gaining customer insights. So things like social listening has become a much bigger part of of what we've done throughout 2023. Um, The way that we're integrating, we're not just seeing business-to-business sales as business-to-business, we're seeing them as business-to-people now, trying to understand the people behind the business uh, decisions has also sort of been been a key differentiator. And I think that all of this is is first party data and the way that people are using first party data throughout twenty twenty three. I I think it's been one of the big differentiators that we've seen between top performing um, marketing and marketing campaigns and and everything else. Um, I think we know that customer centric marketing does involve sort of solutions and requires um, sort of the insights and depth. Um, that we need and we that we we collect from from first party data. So I think that the more that we're thinking about that, um, it, it's increasingly important. I think that also what we've seen is is the rise of AI. And I know we will probably touch on AI as we go throughout out today. But I think sort of AI machine learning uh, sort of hinges on the ability to track and quality customer data being put in or, or customer insights or any type of data to be put in. I think what we're seeing is that, that, you know, with the likes of Google and products such as Performance Max, it really is a question or a case of uh, the, the better the data that you put in, the better results that you get on, on, on the back end. Um, so, you know, if you're putting in customer data that's really strong and gives everybody a really clear understanding, um, I think that what we then see is really strong performances on the back of it by letting machine learning work its magic through the algorithms in the middle. I think that where we see some challenges around that is where people have been over-reliant on, on sort of just in-platform targeting and don't sort of facilitate or don't supplement that with, with sort of that first-party data piece. I also think sort of as a, as a final as a final point i think like we are seeing in the, the emergence of premium um, so you know people are saying oh well the what better targeted ads has been the case to say that people don't want to be seen uh, showing advertising at all <clears throat> um, i think that we're not actually seeing that and i think the data suggests that sort of 82% of, of all users have actually suggested that they they wouldn't be prepared to pay, pay to to be served uh, to be non served with ads so I think that's an important piece that we need to consider as we go through around how do we get that personalization? how do we make sure we're serving people up with the best and most tailored, most efficient, most effective advertising that we can possibly by not being over-reliant on not just the two, not just tools, but also relying on um, MarTech as it used to be, because I think we've seen throughout 2023 the landscapes changed significantly. So it's almost going back to the future of, Good marketing starts with like customers and customer insights, and us as marketers having to think a bit bit harder and a bit more detail. But the results are there; the rewards are there on the back of that if you get it right.
0: Nice, thank you. I mean that 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 personalisation thing is is really interesting, and and, and probably brings us on to um, this next point that I want to sort of bring Andrew in on because um, I I think most people probably agreed if we had the squillion dollar budget of something like barbie um we, we could have executed a fantastic marketing campaign there as well um we don't all have that um what we didn't all see coming was this marriage with oppenheimer that was a release just around the same time um andrew tell you us don't, what you don't need to don't
2: need personalization to sell people barbie stuff everybody loves barbie yeah. there you go <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean the cultural phenomenon of the year, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh and and uh, quite an interesting story. It s- starts back in uh, the the heady days of COVID-19. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. And uh, Warner Media, Warner Brothers parent company. Um uh, It really impacted the film industry. So they they said that uh, they were going to take all their 2021 films and release them on their streaming platform, HBO Max, which really got Christopher Nolan's back up. He said they'd gone from being the greatest movie studio in the world to the world's worst streaming service. (laughs) So this is bearing in mind how important Christopher Nolan is and was to Warner Brothers. Uh, They've distributed his films since 2002. So you're talking Interstellar, Inception, The Dark Knight, Dunkirk, Tenet. These are huge films. After a bit of a backlash about the whole streaming thing, Warner backed off and didn't do it. But uh, they'd already fallen out with Christopher Nolan by then, and he was uh, 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 kind of talking to other studios. And in September 2021, announced that his next film, Oppenheimer, would be released by Universal Pictures, stipulating loads of terms, including that Universal wouldn't release films within three weeks of either side being launched, how much marketing budget there was, how much budget for the film, all that kind of stuff. Now Warner had originally scheduled another film for that weekend, Coyote Versus Acme. Which hasn't been made yet, but quite looking forward to it. it goes for that. Yeah. Uh Roadruns spin-off. And um but a month later they announced they weren't doing that and they were actually going to release Barbie that weekend. Now Barbie was always gonna be massive. Um, so that put it kind of directly head to head on purpose with Oppenheimer, with everybody kind of saying that, that this was revenge for uh, Christopher Nolan ditching them. So, as we all know, what actually happened in July 2023 was the cultural phenomenon known as Barbenheimer, where cinema goers would watch Barbie and Oppenheimer as a double bill.
1: I did
2: it. Did it which order?
1: Um, I did Oppenheimer and then Barbie because I thought I needed, I didn't want to leave the cinema feeling depressed.
2: Yeah, pudding at the end.
1: Yeah, 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 it was Mm. the right call to make.
2: Uh, anybody else watch both of them at the same time? No.
1: Okay.
2: Not the old guys. Uh, so this was pretty much wholeheartedly embraced by cast promoters, everybody on both films who could see that rather than it being a big fight, they could actually be onto a good thing. And actually the whole cinema industry, which was still trying to sort itself after, out after COVID, um, and was was actually in the middle of the, the whole union dispute as well. So there were strikes and everything to contend with. And, and uh, you know, both uh, the, it worked mm-hmm. and everybody made a fortune. Um, Matt Najeela, the editor-in-chief of Next Best Pictures, is credited with the first use of the portmanteau Barbenheimer in April 2022. Apparently he says he can't remember do, saying it. Um, but anyway, once that started, it got memed to pieces. And again, AI pops its head up with the rise of Mid Journey and all the AI image generator tools. This vast swathe of uh, Barbenheimer images, videos got created, put on T-shirts, sold on Etsy, turned into parties, hashtag. Everybody started, ironically, because Mattel uh, uh, famously... A bit like Disney and coming down on people mm-hmm. for for using their IP, but they they were just left in the wake of a pink mushroom cloud as everybody cashed in on uh, it. Even our local car wash had a Barbie didn't it do a Barbenheimer day to be fair, but they did get just pink suds out and a load of uh, pink glitter for the weekend and turned the car wash into a what Barbie. Was talking car. about it, everybody was talking about him. <laughs> Which, of course, makes the brands perk up. So Oreo, Coke, Uber, Pepsi and a bazillion other brands all took advantage uh, of the fact that Mattel's Rottweiler legal team would were, were, were left being ineffective against this kind of this this big fluffy pink mushroom cloud. And everybody thought it was hilarious except for the japanese who had banned the film oppenheimer and thought that the slaughter of 140,000 civilians within living memory probably wasn't something to uh, to uh, was was less of a laughing matter really and probably shouldn't be reduced to an amusing reddit post or something that sells biscuits <laughs>
0: um Quite the tale, thanks, <laughs> Andrew. Um, the, um, you, you touched on there, kind of just about sort of every brand trying to get their sort of um, little slice of 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 Barbie um, in in the summer. David Shearer, um, I'll, I'll bring you in. 2023 being the return of big brand.
4: Yes, perhaps so, um, or certainly something that I might contend was 2023 the year that brand advertising made a bit of a comeback mm. um possibly after years of performance media attracting the advertising pound um well let's see Uh maybe it's the well documented problems facing the big tech firms particularly x maybe more of that later um maybe it's that clients are finding that they are last click wins strategy isn't reaping the rewards of previous years. Certainly that's what you're hearing from some of our clients. Maybe it's just that clients and agencies are finding a way to get brand and performance to work together eh, more effectively. um, And and that's what we're all trying to do. But there are some embryonic signs of this. Eh, Despite the UK's economic stagnation, exacerbated by the cost of living crisis, um, and who isn't affected by that, Two of the Big Beast brand media channels, out of home, just for clarity's sake, by that I mean posters, um, digital and classic, and cinema are showing clear signs of being in rude health. Um, Let's take cinema. The UK box office is forecast to record its first billion pound year since 2019, um, expecting to pass the milestone in the final two weeks of this year. Um, And and that's according to latest figures from Comscore which um, also found that the total 2023 box office is running sort of 8% ahead of the equivalent year to date period in 2022. Um, following a Barbenheimer-led cinema-going revival in the late summer and early autumn, it looks like cinema would revert to pre-COVID levels in 2023 for the first time. Um, and, and and that's really just, as, as we mentioned earlier, big brands piling in. Obviously, Barbenheimer is the, the, the main reason for that, but um, the, the schedule this year has certainly attracted those brands back to the medium. Um, the same goes for posters. Out-of-home advertising revenue increased uh, nearly 13% to 346 million in the third quarter, 2023. Um, but the, the, these figures are from Outsmart, the, the out-of-home trade body. And they also found that Q3 2023 advertising revenue was up 4.9% compared to the same period in 2019. And this is the first time that this has been higher for a corresponding quarter pre-pandemic. Um, and, and the reason for this a, a medium, the outdoor kind of going back to pre-pandemic levels, is has really been fueled by a number of bigger brands returning to the medium um, looking for that mass communication. It's not just been that though, as well as a, a plethora of smaller businesses utilising out of homes increasingly sophisticated programmatic offering. Um, perhaps the start of a new era of branded performance working together in harmony. Um, we'll see, but but I definitely think the 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 green shoots are there.
0: What a dream that would be. Getting the two Davids together. Programmatic and out of home. <coughs> <laughs> there's there's my there's my there's my new year's wish um so um david some some stuff that you 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 touched on that i wanted to bring becca in on and Mm. and kind of um out of home activity and 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 something becca you wanted to talk about Mm. was this sort of 2023 almost becoming the year of faux advertising and especially sort of out of home being used as that
3: Mm. um, uh
0: that 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 kind of um kind of platform really for that do you want to do you want to talk us through that
1: yeah, I think it's probably worth noting that it's been, I guess, probably an interesting five to 10 years for brands. You know, we're getting more and more media channels coming into play. Those channels need more and more content. Um, and, you know, very rarely are we seeing brands replacing channels they're using. They're just adding into the mix. And before you know it, you've got brands that are having to, you know, service so many different channels on a daily, weekly, um, very frequent um uh, you know, creating, uh, reducing content for them. And, you know, one of the things that we always hear is, you know, that gets really expensive. There's a huge amount you want to do, especially if you want to be creating quality content. And um, so I think we've seen a really interesting move this year with brands kind of shortcutting, creating creative. I'm expecting Andrew to uh, button in at some point and say so you don't agree with that. Um, uh, and, you know, we've seen this kind of rise of almost, um, you know, faux out of home. I'm sure everyone saw the uh, Maybelline video of the um, tube in London going through and kind of with the eyelashes to promote their new mascara that had um, 76 million views on Instagram alone. And that's without looking at where it had been shared. It got into... Um, Of course, it got into industry news. But I think what's really interesting with this stunt is it actually went into consumer and mainstream news as well. And, you know, quite often we will be cynical about these kind of things and say, well, it's just for marketing people. It's just for awards. Um, But actually, we saw that it did get picked up a lot by mainstream press. Um, And, you know, we've seen a bit of a bandwagon of brands jumping onto that and doing that. So, you know, going back to Barbie. Um, we had her um, work walking out the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. We had Jack Merc, We had Isabel Moran, Alexandra Wang. A lot of kind of fashion brands creating these videos of, um, you know, basically what's the old adage we talk about in PR? Everyone that works in PR, close your ears, but um, blow it up and float it down the Thames. It's a bit of that kind ah. of mentality. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. We love you really. Make it big. Make it big and float it down the Thames. Um, but there was, was a bit of this mentality that it's like, okay, we'll make your product really big and then...
2: Stick a jacket on the big bed.
1: Exactly, and, and make it walk down the street in Paris or walk down the street in London. Um, so, But I do think it comes to a really interesting question about do you have to do this stuff for real or actually... Can you fake it and does it matter? So um, I think the Maybelline one was really interesting because that was the first one. So there was almost a huge amount of conversation about whether it was real. No one knew whether it was real or not. And obviously it came out and it it wasn't real. But I think there is um, a question here, and this is one for you. Does it ruin creative integrity?
2: I I think there will be a lot of people sat around in um, marketing war rooms at the moment going, can we do it for real next year? But
1: then because it that like,
2: would that would then really get people done.
1: But then you get into a weird conversation where you go, "But do you need to do it for real if all the eyeballs are on it that, that aren't real?"
2: That I can't remember the name of the person who's got the account, but the, what Maybelline did was partner with mm. somebody who had a successful uh, Instagram account that yeah. was already kind of doing yeah. this sort of stuff, and and they used their. The, um, a marketing, but yeah. effectively then yeah. to to, to do get that to a large audience.
1: Yeah, yeah so it is and hit the hit
2: the PR stories.
1: Yeah. yeah, you get the PR stories, and I think we probably are at a point now where you don't get that much PR off the back of it. Um, but I do think it's an interesting one because when you have a look at, we were kind of looking at a lot of the data around the search data of twenty twenty three, and when you have a look at uh, Maybelline, actually, and um, some of their most for products were around their kind of mascara. And you know, I did put a note here to say, is that correlation or causation? Um, But I do think it is um, an interesting topic about how brands are using it because, you know, we just about um, make it big and float it down Thames. But, you know, if you do look at these videos, it is just about... Um, the product and making it big so I think it will be interesting to see if any brands take this kind of technique and take that into storytelling because that's not really what we've seen so far I think the only example I've seen of that is um, Bestiae Collective who are a kind of pre-loved website and they did one in Times Square where they just kind of covered the whole of Times Square with kind of like loads of clothes and fast fashion just everywhere. Um, And that was kind of interesting because there was a bit more um, depth and interest to what they're saying. So I think all of that will be really interesting for us to keep an eye on. And it's something um, definitely that we've kind of you know, keen to experiment with and play around with. But for me, it's about what's their next step in making that more of a brand story? What's the next kind of um, float it down the Thames? And then I think we also get into a world of vision, uh, digital, uh, blah, 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 virtual rights of spaces. Um, so the Maybelline one that was on the underground had absolutely nothing to do with TFL. And I bet they were really bloody annoyed, but it got so shared. And it's all of their branding. And traditionally, you would have to buy the media in there and pay them that kind of fee. So I do think you get into an interesting world about, um, you know, do you even need some of these kind of stunty out of home things anymore? Again, do you need to do it for real? Are we kind of shifting the media owners a little bit by not... um, by not working with them on it, and there were some other instances. Um, gym box, and they did some what, what everyone thought was cool ads. It was the top of um Red Buses in London, which was um, some ads for I think it was Pilates and yoga. About um, remember seeing those?
2: Yeah, it was it was um, it was
1: something about floating. Okay, there you go, something about floating. Um, but Again, um, it came out that that wasn't – and that was an interesting one because you would look at that and think, oh, yeah, that's real. But actually, it came out that that wasn't real, and it's actually because TfL don't allow any adverts on the top of buses, some kind of um – um, some kind of safety issue; that they don't um, allow them up there. But again, kind of getting into that world of uh, it's becoming very meta that people are doing advertising that's not real and then pretending it's advertising. Fake news. But it's yeah, it's fake advertising. Maybe that's what twenty twenty four is going to be. Not fake news; it's just going to be fake advertising. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that um, you know we've seen a real shift this year in kind of brands thinking differently about how you create content, and maybe you don't need to go and do the stunt; you could pretend to do the stunt. And tell everyone you did the stunt and who if you if you tell people you did the stunt and there's a video of the stunt maybe you did the stunt so um you do get into that kind of um world and i think um, you mentioned the kind of big ben one with north face i think that's the first one as well where they'd obviously planted a few people in the video that were reacting to it even though obviously wasn't there so again you're kind of getting this push even more um, around the kind of authenticity of it and I think um, you know we've seen as well definitely um, when we look at consumer insight there is this drive for authenticity so does it kind of go against that as well. Um, so I do think there's something to be said for that. And I think I'm sure David would come on in this as well, especially when we're talking about making traditionally, you know, very trusted media sources like out of home and playing with them and kind of removing that element of trust and kind of making it up. And it does lend itself to some kind of um, what are going to be the most trusted forms of media if we're starting to play around with that. Um, I think one of the things that I picked out about Jimbox um, as well, what was really interesting about their fake um, bus, you know, the ad on the top of the bus was the ASA actually said that they wouldn't ever rule on that because it wasn't actually run as advertising. So there's some advertising that claimed to be advertising, but it couldn't be ruled on because it wasn't advertising. So you again get into a weird world of people just claim to do anything if they don't actually run it as an ad and run it as a fake ad. That sounds
0: like a very interesting little loophole. Yeah, <laughs> it
1: does. Not one that we'd be recommending all our clients go. Of
0: course it. not. No. Uh, yeah. No. I'm just going to inflate something and put it on a river. <clears throat>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, we, we've 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 got a um, th- th- there's some really relevant points there that I'm going to pick out in just a second. We have got a question, um, and, and Craig, thank you for your question. It's going to be the most kind of clickbaity type of answer I'm going to give you though. Craig asked, "What are our thoughts on 20?" um, being proudly British as marketing campaigns. Um, Little tease for our first of the new year, Craig, where we will talk about predictions for 2024. Um, So we'll definitely answer that question in in that session um, early on in the new year. Um, Becca, the the stuff that you were talking about there um, leads us nicely onto a few bits that that Andrew's going to talk about. And we couldn't possibly look at a review of 2023 without discussing AI. Uh, and, and, and probably the, the development of tech that kind of led to people like Jimbox being able to do things like that and North Face popping a jacket on uh, Big Ben and, and, and kind of many, many others. Um,
2: Andrew, give us your thoughts on the year of AI.
0: So, it, yeah, I mean,
2: it's it's kind of exploded, come of age, if you like, hasn't it, this year? I, about this time last year, I was giving my wife a lift to a Christmas party with some of her colleagues Oh, was a primary school teacher. And uh, she was complaining about how long it takes to do all the, re- the individual reports for all the kids. And one of one, one of the people she works with says, oh, I've been using this thing called uh, Report Genie, which uses AI. You, you kind of put all your things in, press a button and it makes a report for everyone and you check it. And of course, it's personal, but it just saves loads of time. I thought it was interesting, you know we were looking at image generation stuff, and everybody was playing with chat GPT. Uh, and I just thought it was kind of interesting to see that going into normal people's worlds, if you like. Um, but yes, the kind of everything has moved on this year. So ChatGPT announced their API for developers in March. Everything got more powerful. Later in the year, they released all their plugins. Everything got even easier to integrate. And this kind of, it's had such a quick rise and so quickly spread into things. Uh, it's, it's difficult to keep up, really. Um, so we've seen everything from there's been a new Beatles song for the first time in that God knows how no, many no years. Now and then, they, because uh P- Peter Jackson made that big documentary and as part of that developed a load of AI tools to separate audio uh, that allowed Paul McCartney to kind of uh, uh, go and re- make this song now and then.
1: How's the chart?
2: I don't, don't know, <laughs> actually. Um, but I bet it's streamed a lot. Uh, tough things like the phoneless phone, so AI PIN kind of announced that they will they, they had loads of uh, VC investment for... Uh, a phone that wasn't a phone. You just pinned it to your jacket and talked to it and it it kind of projected on your hand. But not all plain sailing. Italy banned chat GPT in March, although they unbanned it in April, I think. The UK and the EU set up commissions for ethics. uh, So already means that some of the things that have been released now are taking longer to be released in uh, the EU and the UK than they are in the US. And uh, uh, how quickly that gives people an advantage. There are no doubt people worrying about about that. All the ethical considerations, AI taking people's jobs, uh, monitoring and surveillance, particularly in the gig economy. Um, And you know, if you just talk to uh, people around you, I think that people are already saying that they think AI is taking taking jobs. It's definitely making things faster, we're using it. Uh, for pitch presentation graphics storyboards animatics
1: i I won't name any names but i know loads of people or one particular person that's using it to do their child's homework
2: okay (laughs) um people are using it for planning tasks copywriting tasks um although it has to be said we haven't been using it in live work and we kind of company-wise have an active ban on uh you know cut and pasting it Mm -hmm. into um any writing work um and and you know Controversies abound around bias, mm-hmm. ownership, plagiarism, ethics and kind of just basically even lying about stuff or getting stuff wrong. So, um, it, you know, even with the promised accuracies and crazy uh, things that have been talked about for next year, Eli Collins, the head of product at Google DeepMind, said that hallucinations and false answers are still an unresolved problem with the, all of the AI models. I do think it's funny that they hallucinate.
1: Is it just that it's making stuff up and what, just pretending it to be real?
2: Well, when the, when the, when it looks at a thing or, or tries to make a thing, it's, it's it doesn't really understand, does it? It's just kind of going through a process. It's so it, it just hallucinates things. It thinks things are something else, or it tells you one thing is another mm-hmm. thing. But the advantages have been uh, pretty nuts. So in healthcare, we've seen improvements in diagnostics and drug discovery with platforms like Atomwise revolutionising trading and fraud detection in finance. Elon Musk has been promising us self-driving cars for ages, but that is actually looking closer than ever. Um, it, it's marking university papers in all subjects more accurately than humans now, and uh, the creative industries. It's being used in image creation, uh, filmmakers using it to change camera angles and do those crazy things, bring actors back from the dead, change people's faces. ABBA. ABBA. Um, I thought one of the interesting things I read the other day was from Amazon who said that they were making Alexa be general AI rather than narrow AI. So Alexa kind of has a narrow amount of stuff that that they respond to. and, and will become more like talking to Jack GPT uh, and, and they said people like it when Alexa has an opinion. So you're going to get a really woke, opinionated Alexa in 2024, I think. Really?
1: I think she learns what opinions you respond to. No,
2: maybe you'll get a, a
1: <gasps> It's going to be like,
2: Alexa. I was
1: about to say it will be like social media algorithms no, and everyone will to, be even more be in their bubble.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, and, and all these large language models are, are learning from all the data. Uh, this year, a lot of it's been based on data pre-2021. And of course, as that develops uh, at the end of the year, it's kind of eating its own tail and learning from data that that's kind of been spewed back out by AI. Um, so I do worry that the internet's going to just become a jumble of nonsense and uh will become completely unreliable. So the only way out I can see is for AI to kind of release itself from being trapped in the virtual world. And as we l- leave this kind of year of AI and AI coming of age virtually, I think next year we'll see AI in cars, AI on bikes, in wearables, on robots. And we've, you know, we're already getting those little shopping robots kind of delivering mm-hmm. your, your groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, And that will allow AI to start learning like we do from the world, but it'll have a Borg-like hive mind. Um, uh, And this is where we'll see AI be able to learn and create beyond the constraints of human knowledge and development. So that is the sort of trouble we're going to be in next year. That's a little prediction before your January episode.
1: So we're going full Black Mirror?
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Terrifying. Um, We've had a question, guys. I've got a a, a potential answer here, which will give you guys time to to think about it as well. Um, From Julia. Thank you, Julia. Um, Have there been any outstanding marketing cases involving AI in the UK? Um, Julia, when you say cases, I'm presuming just kind of perhaps case studies rather than kind of legal cases. I don't know. Um, certainly, from, from my point of view, on um, some of the a, a, a tiny little campaign that we did for a client who um, they were they they were big into their, their marine conservation and they, they kind of um, donate uh, a, a percentage of their proceeds to to marine conservation projects around the world. So um, a, a lot of the activity we were doing for those guys was around um, obviously kind of marine life and marine con- con- conservation. Um, we used AI tools to predict what kind of um, seaside towns in the UK might look like in 50 years' time um, if we continued with this kind of level of of, um, global warming and climate change and and, and kind of coastal erosion and stuff. And so um, we, we fed all of these kind of factors into um the, the tools and, and kind of it, it produced us these sort of pretty dramatic images of what places like blackpool might look like and you had kind of waves kind of lapping up against sort of the you know the bottom four or five feet of the tower and things like that so um <clears throat> that that for us got some some really 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 interesting pickup from the media um so it, that that one was a, a just a little case of, of where we we use ai as, uh, as a benefit really to to kind of create something very visually um, powerful for, for, for our client on that one. I don't know if any of you guys have got other Disney got Disney
2: got into trouble, didn't they? The Loki posters, uh, everybody suggested that all the uh, backgrounds in the Loki posters had been AI generated because everybody had six fingers and wonky teeth. <laughs> and, um, I, 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 and you know, that kind of case of, uh, look, how big a cheapskate do yeah. Disney have to be and Marvel have to be to start like bypassing real artists and start mm. using AI to generate posters for something as 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 big and kind of money spinning mm. as Loki. Which which I did uh, I saw a thing the other day which I thought was fun, which you can you can buy an extra finger and you, you, you attach well. you attach it onto you and it gives you an extra finger. And then you, in any photographic evidence of anything that you do, you just claim it was generated by AI. So you
1: go got a bank?
2: Yeah, or a long thing, you know.
1: Something really with like an extra arm sticking out. Yeah. I like
3: that's it. am very I
2: sinister.
3: Think, <laughs> I, think, I think to come in on the AI front, though, I think, you know, we, we make a lot of predictions about AI. But what I would say is from a, you know, I think there's a, a Google perspective or a Facebook or a Met or a, you know, any of the major platforms is AI's been around for ages, you know, is the actual big thing. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot because chat GPT, I feel like we get we get confused between chat GPT and open AI, etc., versus AI um itself, in a sense that like automated bidding strategies for et cetera have been around in Google for ages. I mean, the reality is the first iteration was moving from manual CPCs and manual bidding into things like um, smart bidding technology, etc., and all we're really seeing is more and more advancement of that. And again, it goes back to the more data we feed it, the smarter it gets. I mean, Google's now claiming that if you optimise your campaigns using its best practice, you can see up to 12 to 15% uplift in conversions. Is is the level that they're talking about through using their tools, which actually isn't that surprising when you think that all it's doing is taking like a multitude of data, synthesising that data, and then sort of generating an output on the other end. So I think I always say I need to be careful about like when we say AI, I think it's very, very broad church. And if I was then to throw it into into SEO, I think it's a real challenge, Christian, something we've we've struggled with or or had many conversations with clients on at different points this year where they've talked about, oh well, we're not going to produce content for our website. We're going to get ChatGPT to do it. Mm-hmm. Um and we've seen the, the downfalls of that as the years as the years played out. And the reality is that what you're seeing now is platforms getting more and more efficient at spotting stuff that's AI generated. And Google's been banging on for the last two or three years at least about EAT, so expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. So they've now added another E to the front end of that to call it EEAT, um, which stands for experience. So it, they are trying to humanize that 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 piece around content and giving the webs giving website giving content something new from a new perspective rather than it just being simply that aggregation of data throughout the web into one place and then spit something out which in essence is what the likes of chat gpt you know has done to date Um, and we've seen that we've seen that play out massively in the content and the way that Google's algorithms changing to start spotting that content and actually penalising that content has actually been really, really interesting. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it's a really good point, I think,
0: David. And um, I, I sort of as host, I, I almost have the, the very unenviable task of trying to summarise <laughs> um, sort of the, the chat and therefore summarise 2023 into into five interesting sentences which is, is an impossible task so thank you for that guys um but it just on on that AI, AI stuff I, I think you're right it's like kind of a little bit sort of tread with caution but also experiment to hell um it's it sort of the, the, the amount of stuff that we do I think as, as an organization in the background figuring stuff out what is achievable what isn't achievable what's accurate what's not all of those things are, are sort of going on a hell of a lot in, in, in the background. Certainly with the, the the you know the case study that I used our experience, we were very transparent with where we got these images from. And the media were quite happy to take those images. So um I I, I think that it is sort of when as David had mentioned there and Andrew kind of talked about, AI becomes such a, a nuanced thing. It's you know, it's been around for years. Let's not let's not kid ourselves, but it just feels like over the last 12 months it's really kind of entered everybody's consciousness with specific tools that um we, we sense can can kind of really help us. So um you know on, on that can kind of you know continue to trial. Um I, I think other stuff um David Norris going back to your points around kind of um personalization and kind of first party data being probably more crucial than ever now taking that into 2024 um was a was a really really interesting point. Um, David Shearer, um, I, I think what was was really really interesting around yours around kind of the, almost this um, rebirth of of cinema when everybody sort of predicted that you know Netflix and other streaming sites would would kind of eventually kind of put the the, the, the dagger in in into the heart of cinema. Um, What it's done, it's returned and returned in in quite some fashion with those big things like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, So to think about, um, I kind of think those opportunities that present to um, start getting creative and ambitious with what platforms um, you you start to use. I I think that sort of for me brings me nicely onto your point there, Becca, around um, the, the ambition and the expansion rather than just kind of going, no, we've got a budget here and we're going to kind of change it from, from this platform to that one. It's like, no, 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 we're going to do some stuff over here as well. Um, and, and try that out and, and, and kind of the whole ethics and legality is around kind of ads that aren't ads, but are ads that, um, you know, it's like kind of ultimately it's like if that's getting eyeballs and getting people's interest, then kind of, you know, why aren't we trying stuff like that as marketers? Because surely that's the, the kind of the, the, the end goal. So, um, I think there are tons of stuff to, to sort of take away. I want to thank um, everybody, David, Andrew, Becker, despite your technical issues. Thank you for jumping around the table to to join Andrew. Um, and David Shearer as well up in Scotland. Um, that is our final Masterclass of 2023. Um, as mentioned, we will be back in 2024, I think the second week of January um, so that'll be around about kind of the 9th or 10th, I think, um, where we will be looking at a bit of a predictions piece for for, for 2024 and what's going to be big in the year to come. Um, so that just leaves me to thank everybody for joining us um, this year on these masterclasses. Uh, and we hope we'll see you all again next year. Thank you. Thanks, Christian. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.